I'd like to welcome all of you to Sunday service at Ananda Village here in Nevada City, outside of Nevada City, California. And we're very happy to have you with us today. All those guests and visitors and members, everyone, thank you for coming. My, I am Naya Swami Parvati, Parvati, and this is Naya Swami Anandi, and we'll be hosting the service this morning. I'll be reading first from Rays of the One Light. This is a book written by Swami Kriyananda with Bible and Gita, Bhagavad Gita readings based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. In surrender lies victory. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. A case might be made for surrender as a path to victory in worldly conflicts. The way of passive resistance, for example, in preference to armed resistance. But our point here concerns a higher kind of surrender, the surrender of our deluded, egoic will to the wise and almighty will of God. Human will is, as Paramhansa Yogananda used to say, guided by whims and limited understanding. The divine will is in harmony with every level of reality. Though the divine will will sometimes appear to us at first to be wrong, it proves always eventually to be for our highest good. Human will is inconsistent. It leads one, us one day to success, another to disaster. The divine will, when we surrender to it completely, though it is not always easy to do so, always brings us deep inner peace and joy in the end. Jesus Christ demonstrated this perfect surrender to God's will in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he was captured and imprisoned, preparatory to his crucifixion. He went apart from the others to pray and asked them to pray also. But when he returned to them, he found them asleep. Out of his love for them, he excused them, saying, The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He then urged them again, saying, Watch and pray. Their weakness in those circumstances was particularly sad, and the disciples themselves must have regretted it bitterly later on. We all know the symptoms of human weakness, though we may excuse them in ourselves, saying, Well, after all, I'm only human. But what are the signs of true strength? We find in all cases that these are the fruit of a life lived wholly surrendered to God. The Bhagavad Gita lists these signs in the 13th chapter. Humbleness, truthfulness, and harmlessness, patience and honor, reverence for the wise, purity, constancy, control of self, contempt for sense delights, self-sacrifice, perception of the certainty of ill in birth, old age, and frail mortality, disease, the ego's suffering, and sin. Detachment, lightly holding thoughts of home, children, and wife, 
those ties which bind most men. An ever-tranquil heart, heedless of good or adverse fortune, with the will upraised to worship me alone unceasingly. Loving deep solitude and shunning noise of foolish crowds, calm focus on the self perceived within and in infinity. These qualities reveal true wisdom, Prince. All that is otherwise is ignorance. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om, Om. Good morning, everyone. I'd like to begin with a reading from Whispers from Eternity, a book of Poems and Prayers by Paramahansa Yogananda. O divine friend, though the darkness of my ignorance be as old as the world, still make me realize that with the dawn of thy light, the darkness will vanish as though it had never been. Well, the subject of this morning's talk, surrender, is really the foundation of the spiritual life. Because the qualities that Parvati was reading about at the end of the, the chapter, describing the enlightened one, those qualities are inside of us all the time. The presence of God, omnipotence, omniscience, That's not separate from us. It lives in us all the time. The problem is not that we have to become something that we aren't, but we have to give up what we aren't. We have to give up all the little things that pull us away from knowing this great wisdom and this great joy that's inside of us. And that's what surrender is, though it's often misunderstood. C.S. Lewis said, There are two kinds of people in the world. There are the people that say to God, Thy will be done. And there are the people to whom God says, Oh, have it your own way. (laughs) And it's, it's not that we're, most of us, there are times when we're just clinging to, I want to do it my way, even though the universe is definitely telling me that this way is not going to work. There are times like that. But most of the time, we have no idea what's blocking us. We have this divinity within us, and as we meditate, and as we practice devotion and try to attune to the guru and to God, we begin to get a feeling for this light inside of us. We begin to get a sense of this divine part of our being. It's, it's simple, it's clear, it's very real. But the other part of ourselves, the the history, the personality. Um, Yogananda tells us that all the, uh, all the past desires, past tendencies of millions of lives are living in our energetic spine. This part of ourself is unfathomable. Unfathomable, that's a hard word to say. It, we, we can't even understand what it is. 
there, there, so we don't see. Though God is right here, we don't see him. We don't understand it. We don't know what's keeping us from him. And so surrender is an opportunity for us to cooperate with God. And God will come to us through tests, outer tests. He'll come through us through inner tests. He'll come th- to us through life experiences that force us to shift and let go of something. It could be very, very simple or profound. In Swami Kriyananda's autobiography, The Path, he talks about, now it's called The New Path, he talks about his first uh, meeting with Yogananda. And he had been a person who was desperate to find truth. And when he discovered autobiography of a yogi, he knew that he had to meet Yogananda because Yogananda knew truth. And so he took a bus all the way across the country immediately after reading the book. He was so on fire to meet Yogananda. But when he came to California, there were just these blocks to the door opening. And the, the final block he came to was he went to see Yogananda in the Hollywood Temple. And his secretary said, well, I'm sorry, he has no appointments for two and a half months. And at this point, Swami was just a, like a volcano. He just had to meet this person. Now that was a perfect desire. I mean, there was nothing wrong with wanting to meet your guru. It's a wonderful desire. And yet there was something that God wanted from him that he had to change. And he, he, he just, he was sort of in, in a volcano inside trying to deal with this. And then finally he said, I guess I'm not ready. I'll go and study his teachings. And when I'm ready, he'll know and it'll be the right time. And he said later, he said, I guess I needed that lesson in humility. Because as soon as he said that, the secretary came running up to him and she said, you know, since you've come from so far, I'll just ask Yogananda if he'll see you today. And the door opened. So that was an example of that, that way in ourselves where we want it, we want it, we know it's the right thing. But life isn't giving it to us because it's wanting us to learn something. Not punishment, not bad karma. God is saying, is there something you can release? Is there something that you can let go of that will help you come closer to me? One of the most, to me, thrilling and profound examples of surrender um, happened in the life of Martin Luther King, who is a hero of mine. Um, Martin Luther King um, took charge of the civil rights movement when the very first, um, when the Montgomery um, bus boycotts began. He was 26 years old at the time, and the black people in the South knew that he had the leadership that they needed. What was extraordinary about the civil rights movement, and it really, though it's kind of slipped into history, it really is one of the most important things that's happened in our recent memorable history because it was a, a political achievement that happened entirely through connecting people to the love of Jesus Christ. He took charge of the volatile energy in the South and he directed them to love their enemies as Jesus told them to do. 
and he captured the spirit and he captured the imagination. And he followed Gandhi's path of non-violent resistance. But Gandhi was going up against political and economic oppression. Martin Luther King was going up against hatred. The white people passionately hated what he was doing. And so he began to get hate calls, 30 and 40 calls a day, people threatening his life in the crudest manner, accusing him of just gross things. He had to pick up the phone because they were the central office for the whole movement. And so all day long, he would receive these threats to his life, to the life of his newborn child and his wife. And finally, one night, he realized that he was getting really frightened and that he could not inspire people with peace and courage. He had to step down. And so he went into his kitchen in the middle of the night and he just was trying to talk to God and say, how can I, how can I just step down gracefully, not make too big of a deal of this, and so on. And he had his head in his hands and tears in his eyes. And he said he felt inside of him a vibration, a power moving. It was a power of tremendous calmness. And it was the power of God inside of him. And he, he, he sensed the voice of God saying to him, Martin Luther, stand for righteousness. Stand for justice. Stand for truth. And I will be with you until the end of time. And that was the turning point. With that calmness, everything changed. He knew that whatever happened was from God. Well, that's, that's just such a thrilling example of surrender. But he had an extraordinary mission, and he had an extraordinary experience. We each have a mission our mission is to discover that we have the presence of God within us. And even though our outward calling may be humble, and our experiences of God in that may be much more humble and less dramatic, they're really just as important because they're about a soul moving toward freedom, and that soul is us. I wanted to share with you a little experience I had this summer a humble experience for the world in terms of world history. It made not a mark, unlike Martin Luther King, but in terms of my history, it made a mark. Um, I had to do something. I'm not going to tell you the whole story. I want to tell you the outline of it because I know that all of us have had an experience like this. Um, I had to um, give a talk, and for reasons I won't go into, I was really, really resisting doing it. I did not want to do it. I thought it would be not a good thing. Um, and yet, as I was meditating, and time was coming, and it was, I had to do it. It was happening. And so I was unwilling. I was resistant. I could feel resistance like a, like a force. But I was willing to be willing I wasn't really willing, but I also knew that I had to be willing. And in that, I offered it up. And I said, I don't want this, but I don't see any other option. And as I did that, there was a power. It was, it was the power of my guru. It was the power of God inside of me. And it was very, very real. 
And it was so much more real than my story about all my excuses that I'd been explaining to God about why this wasn't a good thing to have me give this talk, that I said, you know what, I'm going to just drop all the, all the thinking about this. I'm going to drop all the, the excuses. I'm just going to stick with that power. And I'm not even going to, I'm not going to think about the talk. I'm going to go. I'm going to give it. I'm going to hold on to the presence of God the whole time. And that's what happened. Um, and, it was, and it went very, very well. It was actually more successful than I had hoped it would be. But what is important about that, and what I want to say to you, and what I want us to do now, because I feel like everyone here, there's been a moment in your life. It might have been when you were in trouble. It might have been when you were resisting something. It might have been when you needed forgiveness. And I would suspect that everyone here has had a moment where you felt the presence of God coming into your life. And I would like to take a moment now, and you can close your eyes, and just, just pick one of those moments. Some of you will have many of them to pick from, but just see what comes to mind, where you knew God was real, and you know, knew He was with you. And now what I would like to suggest is that you remember that time regularly. Perhaps daily before you meditate. Uh, perhaps as you're going to face something challenging in your life. That you tune in to the reality of that connection that you have with God. Because that is really, that is more real than anything else in your life. And it is that power that we want to offer ourselves into when we feel a little mood, when we feel discouraged, when we feel frightened, uh, when we feel we've made a mistake, to feel like, I think I'll just let this go. And I think I'll try to remember that moment when I knew the reality of God inside of myself. And that is the way I want to live. So it's a very simple message, but a very, very important one. There's so many things we can think about in life. Think about the challenges. Think about all we have to do. But we could also think about our connection with God. And that is what will transform us. A friend of ours um, named Maria Warner, who died a couple of years ago, said something very beautiful uh, shortly before she died. She said, I know that when I leave, the only thing I'll take with me is my consciousness. And that's what we want to tune into. And that consciousness is the presence of God within us. So let's just take a few moments and hold on to this thought. (laughs) 